Hi everybody, this is Jason from ReadingRadio.com. I just wanted to offer up a little bit of an apology before this episode gets started. I apparently like this book a lot more than I thought, and probably talked more throughout the episode than I should have. It's been a while since I've recorded it, so I don't remember if Allura wasn't giving me any feedback, or if I just monopolized the conversation. I'm going to assume it was the latter. Anyway, I hope you still enjoy the episode, and we'll work on fixing that as we continue to grow. Thanks for listening to us. Hi, welcome to the Reading Radio Podcast. This is Jason. And I'm Alora. We've got a great book for you this month. It's one I've read probably three times in my life. One originally when I was in fifth grade. Thank you, Miss Mary Beth Donahue Irvin, for helping me to read that book and fall in love with it. And I read it in college just to see if it would hold up, and I was just anxious to let my daughter read it as well. So, Laura, you want to tell me what book it is? The book is A Girl Who Owned a City by O.T. Nelson. And you want to give us our little spoiler-free summary? The book is about a plague that wipes out everyone over the age of 12. All the 12 and unders are left, and they have to figure out how to survive with little food and other people trying to steal their food. It's kind of an interesting plot line. Usually it's, they never really explain why it's the parents or why it affected people of a certain age, but for kids to be left behind all alone in a post-apocalyptic kind of world was, was a, what kind of a caught me, like... I kind of mentioned to you when I first read it, I was like, yeah, this is exciting, and I would be, uh-huh. I would rule, and then when I second time I read it, I'm like, this is terribly unrealistic, these kids would die, and the third time I'm like, oh my gosh, my babies would be in this situation, so I'm, <laughs> I've kind of gone through the gamut of emotions. <laughs> uh, so overall, what did you think of the book? I thought it was really good. Yeah? I didn't know what to expect at first, but I thought it was really good and interesting. So the kids may not care about this, but any of your parents listening... There's a little bit of background to this book that I wasn't aware of until I reread the book in college. Um, the book written by O.T. Nelson was written to promote objectivism among children. Objectivism is the philosophy of Ayn Rand. Now my daughter's eyes are glazing over. But anybody in kind of a political world understands who Ayn Rand is. And eventually, if she gets old enough and this podcast lasts long enough, I think we might eventually review uh, Atlas Shrugged just to get the full circle of that idea. Um, so we're going to move into our spoiler territory. Actually, we could rate the book first, let people know if you haven't read it. Um, you said you liked it four out of five stars, five out of five stars. How much did you like it? Four and a half. All right. I, this obviously goes up for me into a four, four and a half star. I'm going to go, I'll, I'll go, I'll commit four and a half. It's not a perfect book. Um, I can say this without spoiling it. The end is a little abrupt. I probably could have gone a few more chapters and just closed things off nicely, but I think the author's intent might have been to just let you wonder. Mm-hmm. It's his prerogative to do that. But as she said, it's a post-apocalyptic book. The kids have to figure out how to survive on their own. And there are definitely some conflicts, the same as you'd have in any adult post-apocalyptic idea. There's gangs, there's fights, there's food shortages. Obviously, the kids don't know how to do a lot of things. <clears throat> and this was originally written for the early 80s. It's, we read the updated edition, so but they, it's still pretty old. They were referring to uh, encyclopedias on CD-ROM. Do you even know what that is? No. Yeah, so before the internet... You could get CDs that had like encyclopedias with little. Occasionally, you'd have pictures or videos in it, so you could basically read the encyclopedia. Do you know what an encyclopedia is? Let me ask that question. Yes, I know what an encyclopedia is. <laughs> okay, just making sure. You know, that's not something that's used a whole lot anymore uh, outside of Wikipedia. So, Wikipedia used to be printed in actual book format. Seriously? So, well, not Wikipedia itself, but like the Encyclopedia Britannica. 
took up entire bookshelves. You'd have like A, B, C, each book would have a letter I to know. it, spread it out. Pretty interesting. It was always good just to f- grab one and read something, read an article about something you didn't know anything about. It wasn't too detailed. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to move into spoiler territory now, talk about some of the events in the book. So if you haven't read the story yet, please go get a copy. You can get it from Amazon. Uh, check out our show notes for the link to Amazon. If you buy from there, it kicks us back a couple pennies, which just uh, we're going to deposit straight to the show and Allure's college fund. So you're supporting a good cause. All right, Allura, why don't you give us a little bit more detailed summary of the book then? After the, all the adults are gone, it's Lisa, which is the main character, and her little brother, Todd. They try to collect enough food to stay in their house. And then they kind of join together with the rest of the kids on the block. And Lisa is trying to find some food, and she finds a grocery store. She had she, she found a raided grocery store. It was empty. But then she found the... Um, the distribution center. Oh, so it's, that's it's it where all the food is stored before it's sent out to the grocery stores. And nobody else had thought about that because apparently kids don't understand logistic processes and how things get from one place to another. So she finds there and she doesn't tell anyone. She takes a little bit back for her and her brother. But while she's gone, a gang attacks her house. Yeah, so eventually she pulls her neighborhood together and they kind of form their own militia. They weren't a gang because they were trying to run more like a more government. formal government. Um, but they were spread out over the whole block. Even though they set up set up some defenses, they weren't able to actually defend yeah. when the gang came for their city. Later in the book, after they set up the town, kind of, she took she took one of the cars, drove it to the distribution center, got a lot of food and stuff for the town, and when she got back, her house was burned down. Yeah, the gang had invaded and yeah, down, right? trying to take her food. And so eventually she comes up with a, a new great idea. And the author wrote Lisa to be the only one really doing anything proactive in on the good guy's side, right? Like, it's like the gangs are going out and they're, they're forming up and forming bigger gangs and raiding houses. But Lisa's the only one who's thinking for herself and trying to find a solution to the problems. Yeah. Which is fine. That's why she's the main character of the book. If she was not doing it all, then somebody else would have been the main character. Yeah. So she finds an empty high school. She gets a few of her friends... And tries to make that into a safe house for the kids on her block. More protected, because it's up on a hill. It's up on a hill, and it's a, it's a thicker, more secure building. It's going to be a little harder to burn down. Probably made of brick and concrete instead yeah. of wood and, and plaster. This was one of my favorite projects as a student. So, Miss Donahue, oh, sorry, Mrs. Urban, if you listen to this, which I'm going to tag you on Facebook, so I hope you do. Um, we had to, we got a map of our school in, when we did this as, as in class, and we had to draw defenses and lay out plans for who would sleep where. And it was that would be awesome. Yeah, one of the interesting parts was that this was the year we had all moved into a brand new elementary school. It was a middle school previously, but we moved in there, and so we really had to examine it. It wasn't something we'd been in for years that we knew about. Yeah. Also, very much like Lisa, she wasn't in high school, but she yeah. went into this high school and had to draw out plans and figure things out. That's cool. And so they were able to build this city, invite the right people in, move food, a lot of food in from the distribution center. Yeah. And she only ever ended up telling one person about the distribution center. Right, because she needed help moving the food. But it, and yeah. she knew, like, I think it's poor, a poor Richard saying that two pe- three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. Because the more people you tell, the more likely it is a secret's going to get out there yeah. and, get, and get out. <laughs> Just get out, period. So I found a few questions online that helped to help promote the conversation around this. And a lot of them are, are will lead to political things. We're going to try to keep it to a minimum because, one, it's boring for students, and, two, it just can 
cause fights, and we're not looking to do that. But does Lisa Glenbard was the name of the high school? Does Lisa have a right to own that city, even though she couldn't have built it alone or maintained it alone? Yes, because she found it and started building everything from the ground up. Not the school, but the defenses and everything. So I think she had a right to do that. What about you? Uh, owning might be a, a tough word. It's it's weird because she she laid claim to it, but she can't hold claim to it without everyone else's help, which is proven. Yeah. She just couldn't run everything by herself. Now, she could have left everybody else out in the cold. She had enough food and, and everything to take care of herself forever, but in an environment where there's no government there to protect you, what stops the gangs from eventually taking over and making it a survival of the fittest, the toughest rules, the weakest kind of situation. She really needed the help of the other people. She even called voting bad at one point. I don't um, remember that. Yeah, so there's a little short paragraph on it where she was explaining to one of the other kids that voting is bad because they were trying to tell her we should have a democracy. Mm-hmm. And democracy, she said, was something to the effect of allowing people who don't do anything to control the people who do. In that kind of situation, you'd think everybody should have some sort of say in what's going on, although since she was the only one thinking for herself and the only one making plans, voting might have just screwed everything up. Yeah. Uh, one of the things she made a big deal about it was, was people earning things. Like, there was a, a girl who was taking care of a lot of young kids. It was kind of like an orphanage. Yeah. And they, she was like, you should just give them stuff. And Lisa said, no, they should earn it. And so she sent them on tasks to get... Like, to get gas in their car keys, to get toys, because they were fighting over the toys. Right. And so she gave them toys, but they had to earn those toys. Yeah. Do you think earning something makes it more valuable to you? Yeah. Why is that? Because you work for it more, so I think it feels more of yours. Mm-hmm. Like that, it belongs more to you. Okay, and you understand how much it costs, right? Because mm-hmm. you're—I mean, you have a job, you babysit, you know yeah. how much time it takes to earn a certain amount of money, and so you're a little more hesitant to spend that money on stupid stuff now, right? Because you know—I <laughs> mean, you look at it and think that's two hours of my time. Yeah. Or that's two hours taking care of kids. That's a tough job. So you, when you think about it that way, it makes you a little more conservative on spending money. I think. Um, Craig thinks that Lisa attracts violence through her militia and her city. Do you think he's right? No. Why not? Because she's trying to stop it. And I'm guessing if they stopped trying to attack her and wanted to join in and help, she probably would have let them. Mm, No, she wouldn't. Remember Tom Logan came and said that they could join up. And she said she couldn't trust him because he he beat up Todd earlier in the story. And so she basically said that nobody in the gangs could help. And anybody who, who said they were ever part of a gang had to answer more questions. She didn't want anything to do with those people because they had been, they had gone out and become thieves. She might have attracted violence in that uh, setting up the city with all the food made made them a yeah. target, but that was the only way they were going to survive. Yeah. I think the violence was created by people not taking care of themselves. I'm sure there was plenty of distribution centers in all the cities that could have fed those kids until they learned how to build farms and grow mm-hmm. or, you know, raise chickens or whatever to create food for themselves. I mean, they wouldn't have candy for the, for a while because sugar cane's growing in other parts of the world. But I think candy would be the least of your problems if you're fighting for your life. Yeah, that's true. Nothing. Well, maybe not for Zoe. She likes candy too much. <laughs> <laughs> so they drove around and they looked at all the other cities, and some of them were just they were worse than their city. They they didn't see any kids. Some they they heard rumors of big gangs. But why do you think no, like what she was doing didn't happen in any of the other cities? Because they didn't think it would work. And they didn't have the guts to try. Yeah. Is it possible nobody just thought to, to do something like that? Lisa was unique in her town. Maybe she's unique in the country. 
Maybe. I mean, if you were, if this happened to you and mom and dad suddenly disappeared, would you have a clue on where to go? I'd be in a panic. Right? I mean, I think everybody would at your age. That's fair. I mean, I'd probably, if half the world vanished at this point, I'd probably be in a panic Mm. to some degree. I'd be driving to West Virginia to uh, live in the hills with the good old boys who know how to shoot things. (laughs) I just offer myself as free labor if they keep me alive. Anything else we need to say about the book? Yeah, what else? What happens later after Todd attacks them? Oh, that's true. I like that part. (laughs) So at one point, Lisa gets really stupid. (laughs) Do you want to talk about that part? They're being attacked, and she climbs out a window. Well, she didn't know they were being attacked at the time. The dogs were asleep, oh. is what she thought. But they had been poisoned. And so she went down to see what was going on. And... Got captured. That's well, not what happened. They did for a second. And then she tried to run away, and they shot. somebody shot at her, and they thought they yeah. killed her. But Todd, who run that, ran that game... Said no, not to Tom, shoot. Tom. Todd was her brother. Tom Logan was the gang. Tom said not to shoot her. Right. But someone did, and it hit her in her arm. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to sneak out the doctor and her brother and uh-huh. take her somewhere else and get her bandaged up. Uh-huh. You said that was one of your favorite parts. Why's that? <laughs> I like it because um, the doctor, her friend, tries to give her whiskey. Was that what it was? Mm-hmm. It's the only thing they had for pain medicine. Uh-huh. And she smells like, what are you trying to do? Make me drunk? And then she drinks too much, and then she gets all loopy. That's why it's my favorite part. Would you like it if that was the only thing you had for pain medicine? No. Yeah. But it's yes. still funny to read about. Well, then it gets to the it gets to the end. I thought the, the end was interesting. They make huge plans to go take back the city, but the city basically walked out and found them at their little town or farmhouse. Mm-hmm. And so she walks back in to Tom Logan, and what happens? It's the owner, and he says, I can't do this by myself, and pretty much gives it back to her. Yeah, which was kind of an abrupt ending for me. I would have loved to have seen some, like somehow, she did give him a lecture, kind of teaches him a lesson, and my hope is that Tom Logan goes out and tries to form what she did there in the same place, but not with violence, um, but with you know working together and, and a community effort. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the book ends. Yeah. She's just left to herself for a second, and then everyone comes in and starts chanting her name, and we're left to believe they live somewhat happily ever after. Whether they ever rebuild this, rebuild the world and get roads working again, and or sorry, railroads or planes or anything working again, we don't know. It'll probably take a couple generations to really get there. Right now, they're just yeah. worried about survival. Yeah. All right, go ahead and check us out at reading-radio.com. We'll have links to everything we talked about in the show notes, including our Amazon link. As I said, that'll kick us back a few extra pennies if you buy not only that book, but anything through that link on Amazon. Next book we think we'll be doing after this is The School of Good and Evil. Yeah. So we're going back and doing that. It's a book that Alora just found. I'm going to be doing it on audible.com. It is available. We'll have a link to Audible also in the show notes. I'm thoroughly convinced that listening to books is re- the same as reading books, especially when it comes to fiction. You can read them on the road. It's kind of nice. I think reading is better, having the book in your hands. Yes, you have a lot more time in your hands than I do, though. I agree. I, I would love to read physical books, but by the time I get home and do everything I need to do, it's tough to do. Hope you listen to us in the future. Go ahead and subscribe to us on whatever podcast listener you use. Go ahead and tell your friends about us. We are Jason. And Laura. And we are reading-radio.com. Since we recorded this episode, we've rearranged our schedule just a little bit. We discovered that the Wrinkle in Time movie is going to be coming out in March. 
And as a result, we wanted to go ahead and read the book before we watch the movie, because that's the way we do it in our family. It's the way it should be done. So for the month of February, we're going to be doing A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. You can find it in the show notes, as well as through our bookstore on reading-radio.com. As always, thanks for listening.